Welcome to Young Moja Speaks Podcast with your host, Shalonda. This is a conversation about trauma and how it impacts our personal development journeys, taking accountability, and uncovering how foster care and the relationships that we had or didn't have shape who we are and who we will become. This podcast addressed foster care and the system and how foster youth are underprepared for the transition into adulthood. We provide resources and a community to to discuss the issues with the child welfare system and helping youth make that smooth transition into adulthood to better their life choices and ultimately better their lives. If this podcast interests you, we ask you to join the community at Yamoja Speaks on Instagram as well as Facebook. We are branching out to other social media platforms. And if this resonates with you, we ask to share with any of your networks. Ham Jambo, see Jambo Leo. I am wonderful this week. And last week, I remember telling you that. I was going to share my my secret pleasures, right? My secrets for the week. However, I definitely want to mention that I had a spiritual week and there were so many things that happened to kind of tell me, you know, what direction my life needs to go into and what I need to focus on. And of course, this has always happened to me. It's just that sometimes I was so hard-headed that I would not listen or I would skip over it. And so last week, I really just sat down and allowed myself to feel it because for the past couple of years, (laughs) excuse me, I have been just kind of lost, right? Kind of um, in a space of, well, what do I do after graduation? I have my kids and now I'm in full mother mode, but what else is there for me? And so I just sat back and really listened to my week and my lessons and what is to come of the future. And so, yeah, I had a relaxing, um, what is that, massage that I got surprised with. And I also got my nails done. I did a mani-pedi with my daughters. And if you were, if you, actually it wasn't even at the, it, it wasn't over the weekend. It was, or last week, it was the beginning of this week. So Monday, actually. So, yeah, I had a wonderful start of the week, actually. And at the place that I got the massage, I was looking through their bookshelf because I had never really gone into this room that has all of these great gems. And I've I've never gone in there. And so this time I decided to go in there and just check it out, just look around. I seen, of course, the crystals that they have the clothing and things that they sell. They have a bunch of merch. And then I went over to the book section because that's my favorite place to go in any place. And originally I was going to get chakras, but you know, chakras was not calling me. (laughs) Like it was not the thing that I needed to read. Right. And so I ended up seeing another book and it's titled You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. And of course, I just started this book because I just got it this week. But I'm also reading Life Mapping by Monica K. Moss. And both of them are like a workbook, right? They have things to make you think. And so it's not just a quick sit down and read within a two weeks time span or a month time span you definitely need the time to read it in depth to write down the exercises and really just kind of think 
about where and what direction you want to go in. They talk about powerful topics like manifestation, positive thinking, uh, positive energy, the power of habits, using our emotions to our benefit. And our emotions are to push us or pull us in a certain direction. So when we use our emotions to our benefit, we're being drawn to what we need to be drawn to. The law of attraction, affirmations, and how to use affirmations to bring your spirit up and vibrant and to vibrate on a different frequency so that you and your thoughts are aligned differently. I don't know, but I'm really excited about these books because I did the first exercise. Of course, I've I've been had life mapping. And so I've I've always had it. I've done a few exercises of life mapping, but I'm actually just like, hey, let's just start over. I won't go into details about it because I definitely want to talk about it. I want to go through the exercises. Um, But I think that I'll have like a see another mini session or something where I carve out, let's say, two months and we go in depth about both of these books and how they both work together and how I recommend reading them simultaneously and going through the exercises together, right? And I'm thinking about doing some videos on them. So yeah, stay tuned and hold me accountable. So if I don't drop that video, let me know. Um, It will be at the towards the end of this year so 2022 by let's say my birthday October because that is renewal for me that is when I renew and so I think I'll have these exercises done and have like a different focus of understanding what direction I'm going so yeah that is my secret I don't know, pleasure from earlier this week. So last week, we discussed my foundation of my parental impact, right? And so I just kind of gave you an overview and discussed in limited detail, right, about my parents. And within this episode, I really want to dive deep into my mom and how she really impacted me both good and bad. So before I start, I definitely want to throw out the disclaimers and advising people, right? So um, my mom told me to tell her story, yet she did not tell me to leave out any details or to tell it a certain way. And so there are things that happened to my mom that I know about and some things that I don't know about. Um that are very heavy and deep and something within this podcast might trigger you if you have not dealt with certain traumas dealing with being victimized by someone and I'm going to respect my mom's legacy and who she was by getting this movement right starting a movement to uncover or shed light into the shadows and the alleys and in our lives where young girls and how we see young girls in our communities and the predators that's among us and the women and the people who shelter the predators okay so I want to dedicate that to my mom for having gone through this experience and then giving me the opportunity to speak and to tell her story and allow me to be that vessel that her truth was set free. And so if anything about being assaulted triggers you, please, you can stop here. I haven't said anything further. And I definitely won't go into very graphic details. Of course, that's not what we do in this podcast. But we definitely talk about 
tougher topics about trauma because ultimately her trauma led into the trauma of my siblings as well as myself just because we were underneath her and around her and everything that she did not deal with or did not have the support system to help her with or going to therapy and the resources, it trickled down into us, our mindset, into our behaviors, into just who we are and how we grew. So, like I said, stop here if you have not dealt with your own trauma and you have triggers around abuse or victimizing of young or teenage children. Okay, so if you're still here with me, I want to start at the beginning with my mom. Like I said before, she was a survivor of sexual assault. It happened to her when she was younger. I cannot tell you her age, but I definitely know that that traumatizes anyone when you're dealing with sexual trauma. And that shapes how you look at yourself, how you are perceived in the world, and what behaviors you're going to do. And I would bring in a ton of research, but that would make it extremely long. But I study psychology and the psyche of the brain changes itself when we endure um, neglect. This has been heavily researched. When we feel neglect as babies or abandonment and when you go through a sexual trauma, it brings up a certain wiring of your mind. And changes the way that you see yourself. And sometimes victims of assault or survivors, as I'm going to continue to say, because you've survived being victimized by a predator. Okay, let's change the language, number one. So when this happens, typically they go into, it's my fault for this happening to me. And if they tell a person, let's say their mom or their dad, and they are not believed, then it also sets in that I am worthless. I don't mean anything. I'm a habitual liar because that's what I'm hearing. Those are the messages that I'm hearing, right? As my mom told, you know, what happened to her, these are probably the messages that she was told. You are a liar. That did not happen. Why do you speak of these lies? You are habitual. I don't know what the conversations were, but I'm pretty sure that they weren't good because as her life transpired and ultimately was spiraling out of control, when I observe her objectively from my eyes and my perspective, I observed her acting out for number one attention because I did it too. I stole from stores, right? You know my story. But for her and any other person that was sexually assaulted, they might act out in a sexual manner or the complete opposite of that. And it's very extreme. It goes to either end on a very extreme sometimes. I'm not saying 100% of the time. That's not how research works but either side of the spectrum where they might be very closed off and guarded and protected or very open and so for my mom she experienced um that and she definitely did not have the support of the family or the protection of the family because she was forced to look at her abuser like many other survivors of um assault they have to look at their abusers at family functions and kick it and have fun and laugh over kool-aid and barbecue and it's like everybody knows but no one is saying anything no one is addressing this guy who 
everyone knows is an abuser, but no one's addressing it. And I remember being young and knowing that there was some type of tension and problems. I just didn't know what it was because, of course, I was too young to really know everything that was going on. That was going on, but I definitely know a lot of stuff, right? So there was some tension. There was some yelling and screaming all the time. There was going to be a fight when we had a family gathering, get together, cookout, barbecue function. Why? Because, like I said, my mom had to look at her abuser and then her kids technically was around interacting with this man as well. So, let's go into a little bit about her her like childhood, teenage years. Um, I don't really know too much because I... I don't know like I definitely watched some videos I went over to my grandmother's house and kind of talked a little bit however I knew that I knew what I had to do which is get my mom's story out there and it took me a couple of years but I don't think that telling or getting all this information firsthand by all these people you know explaining who she was and how they seen her would change how I see my mom and how she impacted me. So I decided that maybe telling my story with my side not in jeopardy because of the the truth that they see as their own, my family, I see my truth. And so I'm just ready in a space to tell my truth as I know. And then eventually I will build on to the entire dynamic of my mom based off the ideas that other people have. So I knew that she was a teenage mother and I can attest to a few stories about her and how she dealt with her trauma because she definitely had rage. She had anger and who wouldn't be angry? But she was a teen mom. So obviously um, it impacted her by going out and being involved with men because someone violated her and so she thought that that was acceptable she was not taught um anything other than that being acceptable and so she had uh, my eldest brother and then we trickled down so she had a child every other year and we are a family of five And so she had us very close back to back. My mom did not graduate high school, I believe. I think that was it. I think that she did not graduate from high school, but she definitely took pride in education. At least that's what I see. Not saying that she, you know, went back to school for a GED or whatever, but she taught us as her children, that education was important, at least from my point of view, being a child and watching my siblings go to school, and then how she structured my and my brother education inside the household. So that's how I kind of viewed her stance on education. It's important and you need it. She lived by a set of principles, and I'm pretty sure that there was a foundation somewhat of a foundation laid for her a certain way like looking a person in the eyes when they're speaking to you put your hands down at your side basically I believe we went through the yes sir no sir kind of conditioning as well because a lot of people from like my age definitely had that instilled in them to have politeness um but I'm not sure so we had the one fight, all fight. Um, and the last one that I wanted to mention is um, a family that prays together stays together. Ah, she would drop these things all the time. She definitely had a bank full of like just positive sayings to, to just come up with or whatever, right? And just say it all the time. And for me, it definitely helped me to think about 
what foundation she was laying for me. So I want to talk about my early, early childhood memories of my mom because I remember her being strong and tough, but yet very soft and loving. And she had so much passionate energy around her. It's, it was so inviting, right? So I wanted to be around her, but I'm, I'm going to let you know she had a bit of an angry side, especially if she felt like she was being disrespected. She definitely did not tolerate disrespect. And since I have brothers, she definitely had to take on the role of both parents. And so that was the other side of her that she had to hold on to to maintain this strength and continue to go to work and provide for us as well. Um, ooh, I could tell a lot of stories, but anyways, um, let's go back on the education just a little bit because I want to touch on her being um, a person that sat down. I didn't say she had all the patience in the world, but she sat down to go over our educational, you know, lessons. So my brother and I were close, we're close in age right now, right? And he was about to start school or he had started school before me. I was so eager. So she would teach me a lot of the stuff that he was learning. And I grasped the concept so well. And I was just so excited to learn that it made me more eager to pay attention but she was teaching the both of that both of us and she would like have me say yell out the answer you know how kids do we're always yelling out the answer right what am i saying we but you know my kids definitely do it i'm telling my daughter like hey sh- let her let her answer it let your sister answer it so I was one of those kids that I just blurted out the answer when I knew it and she would have to tell me like be quiet you're talking over your brother it's his turn um so from my perspective she definitely upheld the importance of education and it helped me right so I also know my mom to be family oriented I could tell you a ton of stories about that too But my mom definitely took um, a lot of teenagers or kids underneath her wing. Um, We had to live with them. Like she was, she was a foster parent. Um, That wasn't, that wasn't legal, should I say. So she would allow kids or young adults to basically stay with us to keep them from being homeless. She just provided them with a place to stay and sometimes something to eat. And they would just stay in our house with us. And um, I remember a few of them. Like, I know their names. I I don't want to say their names on my podcast. I don't want to, you know, be like, whatever their names are. And then it, go, it goes viral. And they're like, hold up, that's, that's her little sister. Oh my gosh. And I know her. And then all of a sudden there's so much energy that I don't want towards me. And so let's just call him L and there was an O and then it was a, a woman with an S. Um, <laughs> I should probably give them like their own special names, but yeah, those are the three that I remember. And then when we weren't staying with her, we were actually in foster care. I still know her to have did the same thing where there was a woman named T. Oh, I can't. I can't say that because that's her actual nickname. Tiana. Okay, Tiana. Yeah, let's call, call her T. Is was it T? Oh, well, whatever. Let's call her Tiana. And I know, you know, her being so nice and having these people stay with her, she really wasn't thinking about, like, the implications of it all. So I think think there are some negative ways in which she brought her trauma in trying to save everyone and putting us in harm's way in the process. So while she was thinking about saving other kids and other people, she 
inherently put us in the the crossfire of danger and I don't think that she really thought that plan all the way out considering I was very very young and listen I wouldn't do this with my kids where I invite a teenager into my home around my young daughters because my mind goes to not everybody is sane in the head and not everybody has the same lifestyle or upbringing as my own and so for me I'm constantly in a thought pattern of what ifs and I just wouldn't take it there and so I know nothing happened with me but there's always a possibility right and I think that it's just looking at how she did certain things that I know that I have to call out and say that wasn't the best decision as a mom with young ladies in a house, young, young daughters in a house, it's not okay to bring teenage boys around them. And mind you, I was a preteen before I was taken away from her. So yes, I was definitely um, able to talk. I was able to express myself. I was able to, I was very smart. So I was able to observe a lot of what was going on and I think by her having to work or do certain things or she was busy with just living life, I think that she neglected some things that made her put harm upon her, us, her children. So some off-putting things, because we definitely have to talk about the off-putting things because she was a loving woman but she definitely made some mistakes and that's why I ended up in foster care right so she did not have the best judgment when it came to relationships with people friends um I don't know that's the best way that I can put it she did not have the best relationships with people and so it made her just have a relationship and be open with everyone and that definitely was not so good so towards the end no before I got into foster care so before I was getting into foster care I remember having to stay with some very sketchy people people that I did not really know they basically um were the auntie and uncle something on my my brother's side my sister my brother had the same dad and their side of the family, his side of the family, we stayed with them. They were some awful people. Like, yeah, awful, awful people. And I think that um, her needing to do whatever she needed to do and probably, you know, for her sanity, she needed some space. She had all of us and no real structure for support or outlet and I think it just weighed on her mental health, you know, it just made her just feel like she was trapped in a lifestyle because I get this sometimes I get this feeling like, oh, I don't have no time to myself. And I love, I love my alone time. And so sometimes I get this and I only have two kids and it's like when you have five, but you don't have the family structure to help you take care of them or watch them or you're with them for majority of the time or they're at school and you got to come home and help them and you're not really in a space because you haven't been able to deal with the trauma that you faced and so you're you're mad right you have all these emotions you're sad you're frustrated and I think that she did she had all these emotions and she did some reckless things like hey can you just you know, watch them and not saying that that's always a bad thing because we, we as mothers need someone to take our children. However, I'm in a mindset now, like everybody can't have access to my kids. And I think from her point of view, she should have had the same understanding because she was victimized as a, a young girl. She should have known the dangers of her kids being in just anybody's custody And I think her inability to think about our safety and where we were going and what was happening to us, I think speaks 
volumes at her mental capacity to understand. And I'm not saying that she is foolish or stupid or anything, but trauma and issues that you just kind of sweep underneath the rug. I've always heard of this. You sweep something underneath the rug for so long, it's going to pile up and then eventually you're going to trip over it. And I think for her, that's what was happening where she needed a break so much that she didn't care where we went. And she was comfortable enough with them because she had a relationship with them that she felt comfortable enough to have us live there. However, when I said that she had a bad sense of judgment on character, those people were essentially bad characters that she could not make out. And so she trusted us in their custody. And things happened. And, you know, news spread. Thankfully, news spread. And I know that I asked my dad, uh, basically, because I just heard a whole bunch of talk of, you know, him and his fiance at the time um, had so much involvement in getting us taken away and she was putting in information. And so there were stories, there was allegations. And um, I didn't know the truth. So I just kind of heard things. And it turns out that he did. You know, he heard them. He heard the rumors. He he got the information. He was like, I need to take a stand. I need to do something. I need to protect my daughter. Because ultimately, at that, at that phase or whatever, I stopped seeing my dad as well. So um, he needed to do something to protect me. And that was his way of protecting me because I would be away from the environment and people yet I would be up for grabs for him and his fiance and when I talk about my dad I think this this kind of story will make sense for everyone listening so bad sense of of character and like judgment for sure um what else do I can I mean I don't really have too many things that's negative to say but I think like I said bad sense of character judgment well bad sense of judgment on people's characters because she got involved with some sketchy people so I think that I could tell a lot of stories about just the involvement with creating relationships to people and with relationships with people that she didn't have the best judgment and Ultimately, like, it was her downfall uh, wanting to be connected to people and had a lack of connection with herself, not knowing that she would probably find more excitement and enjoyment with just herself. But like I said, she did not go to counseling. That was not an option for her, nor do I think that she was the type to take it, but she definitely was open with me in terms of me communicating back and forth with her. But I don't know for her to be communicative to someone like a therapist because she was explosive and she could say anything that she wanted to say because that's how she felt and she was going to say what's on her mind. And I don't think that if she would have said some of the things that, you know, our story could be totally different right now. So, yeah, I think that would sum up <laughs> the negative parts about her, which is the sketchy people that she would uh, be around um, because she wanted to have a a connection to to people. I don't know why, but that was her thing, having friends. And of course, you know, the occasional drink, um, but I will say this. Um, out of respect for her, I definitely have to mention that because of her um, unhealed scars and wounds that she turned to drugs to mask and, and you know cover up what she was feeling because she couldn't cope with it. And so what do drugs do? They numb you and make you feel less than you know, sad 
right now like there's a ton of things that might bring you up and so now you think that you have this joy you have this joyful life and that's really not the case but yeah so she suffered from a person who believed this notion or idea that and drugs also include alcohol because she definitely drinks some alcohol too they have parties and um I would say that she got caught up in this idea that these things, these substances were going to help her somehow. And it was also as a way of escaping. It was a way of not dealing with what was truly happening and what she truly felt as well. And it's like, well, that's the way she went. But now on how she impacted me, right? Ah, I don't want this to be too, too long, but the normal like 40 minutes. So let's hurry up. Let's hurry up. She um, impacted me because I now know and look at my education different. I, I definitely take, and school, I had to go to school, right? I had to graduate um, high school to become a doctor. Originally, that's what I wanted to be. And I ended up switching to nursing. And then I ended up switching to changing my life path altogether. But she instilled the educational piece of me always constantly learning something and being a person that seeks information. She instilled that. And so I'm a person that seeks information. I seek the truth, uh, whatever that truth might be. I definitely had a bit of an anger issue myself. Um, and I attribute that to, of course, my circumstances, but I watched her take you know, things upside my brother's head before and uh she had to let him know like she's a woman at the end of the day. So yeah, I'm taking this upside your head because you're disrespectful and I'm gonna show you right now in this moment who is the alpha and at that moment she had to be the alpha. She had to be strong. She had to be a person that was not going to back down when it came to my brother. And she also then, in a split second, let him know that she was not a man. She was full woman. And I watch things like this. And uh, I have a certain way of how I say it. But I definitely tell people, like, I am not a man. Please do not disrespect me by calling me a man or guys or whatever. I am a biological woman. And since we have to use um, political correctness, in every sense, be politically correct when addressing me as a biological woman. Do not walk into a room where you see women and say, hey guys, and I am there. My mom my mom installed that in me. Do not let someone say, hey, because hey is for horses, especially in certain contexts. Like if I'm with my homegirls and we like, hey, yes, that's different than somebody walking up on me, hey. Or somebody saying, I ask someone a question and they don't hear me and they say, what? Those things um, got instilled in me very early to be disrespect. And I'm looking at a person like, no, 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 it's excuse me. I ask you a question, you say, excuse me. Or yes, but I think I snap or I don't snap on people. I just tell it like it is. So I think my bravery and my sense of being like blunt yeah yeah but I also have a sensitive side so it's not like me just telling it like it is and without you know regard for how you feel like f your feel it's not like that it's not like I don't care about your feelings right it's me telling you like it is but then regarding like, oh, you feel bad. So let me pull back some and just kind of say it like in an easy manner. My mom didn't care how she said it. She going to say it to you how she needs to say it to you. And I picked up on that. But I also kind of changed the way that I approach a situation. So do I also have um, judgment issues when it comes to people? Somewhat, Yes. But then I also have this way of like weeding people out and manipulating a situation to kind of get my way. Um, and I, I probably did not mention that like I've learned manipulative tactics from my mom and of course other people. But yes, 
and it doesn't have to always be negative, right? It doesn't always have to be in a malicious way because I don't manipulate people maliciously of like trying to gain something over them, right? I did it to, ah, how do I say this? <laughs> I did more manipulative tactics to get people to understand their potential, right? And so I get people to be comfortable, and to share. Um, there were ways where I could have been malicious. There are plenty of ways. Because when you get someone to open up. Um, and they trust you. There's a ton of things that you can do with that trust. And if you don't use it right. You can violate someone very fast and easy. Um, based off them trusting you. So no, I did not you know, use this to harm someone, but I definitely learned certain tactics and certain things. I am not as bold as her. So like I said, she does not tolerate disrespect. And one thing that she did was um, an officer put his finger in her face and she bit it. I am not that bold. I, I'm not, I, I'm not the one that's going to exceed your energy. I might match it, if we were, <laughs> I'm trying to get this out. I might match it if we, we're arguing, right? I might match your energy because I'm not going to sit here and allow somebody to disrespect me and call me all types of names. And, you know, I'm not going to do that. So if it gets to the extreme, I can walk away. I can be done with a person. I won't tolerate it, of course. But in certain situations, I might be in an argument and have to match your energy depending on who you are, right? But if you're talking about, I'm honestly here and throw the hands, that is the depending on the situation as well. I think that she had a, I don't care type of attitude and she would take you there. That's not me. And so she also gave me the openness. So I believe I am kind of open more. So I'm open-minded and objective. And so I'm able to tell her story and look at her differently of having and not saying that I'm making any excuses for my mother or any mother who chose to mask their pain and suffering with drugs and alcohol and promiscuous ways or terrible um, company that they keep. I'm not saying that. I give my mom sympathy of being a person who did not deal with her trauma, her triggers, her mental health, having the support, being able to talk it out, getting resources that I was given. I attribute her messing up over and over and not learning because she didn't have a space that was comfortable enough for her to open up, that was safe enough for her to open up. And so she gave me the insight to tell her side of her story by allowing me to be close to her. There are times where I was just so connected with my mom because she shared pieces of her to me that she did not share with everyone else. So this is why I look at my mom and I have a relationship with her that's much different. I have a different perspective of her because the way she interacted with me, and I'll tell you this, I've never disrespected my mom. Except for when I rolled my eyes and I had to come back and I had apologized, but that was it. Our our relationship is in a time capsule. So Everything that she was to someone else, she was different with me. And I'm happy to sit here and know this because now I could tell her story from a perspective of she was human and she had an experience that hurt her so much that her refusal of trying to understand this And not having that safe place to put it into context led her to make awful decisions. However, her children, 
were not an awful decision to make. And she fought hard for us. She called me on the phone. And every single day we would talk. She would come down to the county building so we could have a visitation every single weekend. There were times where her body was breaking down because she had developed health issues. And she would still make it to that visitation, even one particular time, them having to call the ambulance and take her immediately to the hospital. But she showed up. And that takes me back to the dedication and the fight that she had in her. Because when I look at her, I look at the full picture of who she is. She messed up. She definitely had some mistakes and she definitely did not think everything through. And being connected with people was one of her biggest downfalls. But the good thing is that I'm able to see the great qualities that she has. And I'm also able to see those great qualities within myself because my nieces and nephews, um, unfortunately, were entering foster care as I was exiting foster care. And my mom was always family oriented, family first. And if I was selfish, if I didn't have that quality, I would have been like, yo, I'm about to go to another state. I don't do this. I could have been selfish and been like, I applied to a different college in a different state and I'm going. I got some scholarships. Peace. You know, I could have been out. But instead, my mom instilled family first and I stayed very close to my family and I made sure that I was there as a support system because I knew how it felt and I have the awareness of I don't want my nieces to feel that way I don't want them to have to fight as hard as I did because I had the foundation my my mom fought my brother fought my siblings fought we come from fighters, right? So I got to see everybody else around me fighting. So I just naturally got into the groove of it. I'm a fighter too. But my nieces, now my nieces and nephews, they didn't get to see my mom and who she was for all of who she is, right? They didn't get to grow up with that. And their way is complete, their outlook on life is different. And so I didn't want them to have to go through life always, always, always having to throw up the deuces and be like, what's up? I want something different for them. I want them to have a little bit more easier. And of course, they have to fight educationally. They have to, you know, be competition with someone. And so they have to stand in the ring that way. Or if they were into sports, that way but not in a way that you got to fight someone off of you you got to fight for your innocence you got to fight to not be victimized I didn't want them to have to experience that and so I stayed close and I was their protector and I was their support and that came from the foundation that my mom laid out for me lacking even though she lacked a true foundation from the start she at least for me she at least for me built enough foundation for me to last and enough for me to get into foster care and have an understanding of how I would survive and how I would fight and strategically understand every move that I made Yeah, so I don't have a bad relationship with my mom. She passed away when I was in middle school. And so I tell people all the time that I have a time capsule relationship. There is no more memories that I can make with her. There is only memories that I can go back to and smile at or say to myself dang you know that wasn't a good idea to do it that way like that made me you know my ears or the hairs on my neck 
that's like standing up that's my standing up noise so if you listening that is what it is but my antennas <laughs> but um some of the decisions that she made I can go back into those memories but what I will say if you know because many people ask me well what happened if she survived I'm a grown woman right I'm a grown woman with two children of her own. I'm a woman who, as a a fresh, still teenage adult, <laughs> like I was 18, <laughs> 18, 19, right? I was thinking, I was making uh, decisions on children, of, for children that weren't mine. Um, so I was already in a space of thinking very older than what I've ever been, right? All the time, 11, being able to make those decisions for myself um, after my mom passed away, being able to reach out to the support that I needed. Like like I said previously in different episodes, I grew that fighting mentality because of her. So I reached out to to form my support system. I don't I don't have it in my immediate center like it's not it's not in my environment I don't see anyone so you know what I'm going to do I'm going to make them come to me I'm going to get the people around me that I need I see this woman here and I like her style and I like her life in terms of her career right I like how she has poise I want her to be in my environment so I grab her and say hey can you be my mentor? Or sometimes I was not preview to like who my mentor would be, but at least I knew that I needed one and I would go get it. Or the person. <laughs> I would go I would go get the person. So that made me fight. All these things go back to building the structure that my mom lay down for me her foundation now she's giving me that strength and that power to hold on and continue to build on top of it and just develop into the person that she wished that she could see and if she was still around she would be able to see that I've always had my thought for looking at situations and how I see it my perspective However, I also know that we would have probably collided in our thinking patterns because I come from the perspective of I've always been in counseling. Now I'm in therapy. It's a little bit more intense. I'm going through the healing process, right? I understand that she told me by the age of 10, tell, you, tell my story, tell our story, get on news and tell our story. Had she lived, she, I would have been 16. Telling our story, she would have seen me on the news. She would have seen me um, explain to her that I was on different panels, talking to foster parents, foster youth, um, doc, I mean, not doctors, maybe doctors, like therapists, I guess, the therapists that we work with the um, guardian malinum that we work with, other people from different counties. So I would have had the opportunity to share my journey with her. And yet that's where my healing process started when I started to tell our story. And she would have had to watch my evolution for me not shutting up, for me not backing down, for me going after and and making this a reality but she also would have had to hear her own truth her own reality and not everybody can hear that y'all not everybody can look at their truth and their reality from the perspective of how somebody else see it and be okay with it i sure am not in a place of hearing or seeing someone write my story and say this is it Right? I don't want someone to tell my trauma. And I think that had she lived, I don't know if she would have wanted her stories to be out here. 
But at the time of telling me, she definitely wanted to, it to be out here. She wanted to be on the news. She was trying to push her story and our story. But she would have had to have gone through the healing process. And there are so many of us that refuse that healing process because it hurts. And it's, it's, it's scary. Like, <laughs> it's, it's very scary. But one thing that I am learning is that I got to push through it because I got two beautiful girls. I have beautiful daughters that they're going to be traumatized, right? They, they're not going to come unscathed from any form of trauma. It just will be a different trauma, you see? And so I'm teaching them what my, my mom laid down with me. Look at me in the eyes when I'm speaking to you, okay? Because that's how I know and that's how you know that we're speaking to each other. She used to talk to me. Hey, we need to sit down and have this conversation. So I would sit down now as a mom to have my conversations with my daughters. I would, I'm doing certain techniques because my other daughter, has, she has a different communicative style. And we got to do some breathing exercises with her. So... I sit there and I'm like, okay, let's do some breathing. It's just a different way of parenting. I know that my mom will give me the opportunity to speak. So I give the opportunities to my daughters to to speak. And so was I impacted negatively? Absolutely not. But it wasn't all positive. Because I would have had to tell my mom that she made mistakes. And here, I would have had to lay them out. Here they are. What are you going to do about it? Because I was sad for a number of years that my entire world was broken apart. And I was a baby. Like, (laughs) out of all of my siblings, I'm the baby. So I'm like, ah, let me just watch and observe everything, right? But... I, I I got to a point where I started asking questions and I started ha- asking some tough questions too. And I think that she would have definitely been uncomfortable with me asking as many questions and the type of questions that I started to ask because I was asking about behavior change. I got to change my behavior. People tell me that I can't walk around angry. They put me in counseling for that. So Therefore, like, let's be real. You can't walk around, you know, being a victim. You got to turn into being a survivor. And how do you survive? You talk about it. You get through it. You deal with it. You take your power back. And I I think if my mom had lived and she didn't do that, I would have probably seen her differently. And I would have seen a disappointment because then I would have said, well, you were once a fighter. And now, in this moment, you're giving up. I would have interpreted her choosing not to express her story much differently. I don't know how or what the extent of our term oil would be. But I definitely know that my healing process of me talking about my story helps me identify what that is. And get through it. And then to know that my story, her story, because truly my story is just an extension of hers. I am the product of, I'm the daughter of someone who was victimized and abused and taken advantage of and had a lack of family support, a lack of, you know, support from the community and turn to the worst of the worst people to find a sense of safety and that not being safe and then turning to alcohol and drugs as a coping mechanism I'm the product of that and I'm successful so my mom did something right she did something right. And I don't like to harbor over the what ifs. If she had survived, it would be different. Absolutely. But I can't say for certain what that difference is. I mean, I gave you the scenarios. But honestly, 
I can't say that that would be a guarantee because who's to know? My mom and I had, I had a good relationship. But I will say. So the last thing I want to say is since, you know, addiction um, is in my blood based off my mom. Um, and of course, we'll talk about my dad soon next podcast. So stay tuned. So I know that it's in my blood. And one story that is connected with my mom piece is that I remember going to a party and I am at least aware of certain things, right? And so I went to a party and I'm just, you know, having fun. I had some, a couple of drinks. I have dark liquor because that's what sit on my stomach, right? And I can hold dark liquor. I cannot do light. I do not like the light liquor. And so I go to, you know, my go-to, right? when I was drinking and um I also went to okay let me be completely honest with everybody um this is supposed to be a podcast and it it tells the truth and so I was smoking weed oh my gosh I, I don't know <laughs> like to say that I just took this huge pause but I know that it's in my 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 bloodline you know my genetics to take things too far and lead to addiction and so for anyone who has um parents that have dealt with substance abuse it's about understanding that and shielding yourself from it so I had to mother myself and so I was at that party and um I quickly learned I'm sitting in a chair and I'm having this this whole conversation with myself to say, this is not where I want to be. This is not for me. And then here's my mom's side, basically. Yeah, baby, I don't know why you're here. This is not your environment. This has never been your environment. And for her words and her voice to have come through me to tell me that this is not what I see for my life, nor what she's seeing for my life, I definitely knew that that was not for me. That lifestyle was not for me. And partying was not for me. And I quickly decided to change up. But I wanted to mention that because I'm not perfect. And even though it was not a hard drug, you know, everybody always says it's just a little bit of green. But if you do it every single day, it's a problem. If you depend on something, even if it's just a little green, you're dependent upon something else to make you feel better. And I went through that stage and it's not healthy at all. Um, and it leads to a slippery slope of what's, what could be next. And for me, I didn't want that to happen. And so I want to lead this podcast off with saying that um, I do hope for the best if you are on your journey and you're kind of figuring out you know, your connection with your parents and how they impacted you and how you might be repeating the same stuff that they're doing or they have done because you aren't breaking free. And I had to break free. And that night, nothing, I broke completely free that night. But that night I had my mom's words come through me and say that this is not me. And I had to realize that it wasn't for me. And I had to change my ways and not saying that I dealt with everything that night because I didn't. I still had an issue with smoking a little bit of green back in my day. And um, I, I had to know I had to be aware and I had to stop. And ultimately, it led me to counseling and other things that I, I currently do now and meditation and things like that. So there will be a list of resources for everyone to check into because this was, I don't know, it was, it was pretty light but heavy at the same time. I made it to where I can freely talk, but it definitely have some ways of like going deep. I don't know how deep I should go considering I don't have like young, young audience right now. I do have people that are like 18 years old, 24. Um, I do have older listeners. So yes, um, 
it's about exposing what we know our habits are so that we can change them. I'm not like my mom and I'm not like my dad, but I do have certain traits and behaviors of theirs and genetic coding of theirs that make me very similar to them. And I have the understanding that I can get rid of things that I don't want. I can choose what I do. I want my mom's strength, so I'll take it. I don't want the addiction and the frustration and the complicated relationships, so I denounce it. And I hope that you are able to bring into your awareness some of the things that you've noticed on your journey with your parents and take what you need and leave what you don't. As simple as that. And so check out the resources in the description box and I'll let you know about my mom, I mean my dad's podcast next week. Until next week. Listen. Be blessed.